Well, good morning. morning. Hey, we're in a series called Prioritize, and uh, we're walking through the book of Colossians, and we're just learning some things that we need to value, that we need to value. We started out the first week with valuing the gospel, and and what does it mean that Jesus Christ did these things for us? How does that change our life? And, And then the next week after that was valuing Christ. We looked at him as sustainer and creator, as redeemer and provider, as the head of the church, as our God. Jesus Christ, the end of Colossians 1 there. And last week we were looking at uh, what does it mean to value his church, the expression of the gospel and Christ as we all rally together. This week we're looking at, uh, well really we're looking at one specific word, truth, and how that affects us walking in him to value life in christ true life in christ and have you ever noticed how much truth really helps you make a good decision have you ever noticed that like when you don't have the whole story you have some pretty bad insight you know what i'm saying there's things that are missing there's nuances you didn't catch there's avenues and angles going on that you didn't know about and in fact if you look at like a court of law right what's the one thing they ask you to tell when they get you up there i will tell the truth the whole truth and and nothing but the truth right why because i'm telling you truth clarifies with truth comes insight and in colossians chapter 2 paul's dealing with a number of different heresies that were going on in Colossae, and he was saying look i'm just telling you this guys if you want to understand where you need to go you're going to need some truth one of my favorite movies uh was uh, a few good men now i probably recommend the tv version because of some language there but a few good men and i'm telling you the movie is an awesome display of what's going on in the courtroom and there's a moment where you put tom cruise and jack nicholson together and they're thundering forth at each other you know what i'm talking about okay and so in this moment where they're getting angry with each other and raising up tom cruise in an absolute hunger for getting to what's right says i want the truth you know what I mean? And it just, like you get the shivers and I can't imagine of being on, on scene and on site when they were filming that. Those two guys get in character. I'll bet it takes them an hour or two to get out, right? And you're like watching, you're going, man, that's awesome. My wife and I went to see this movie in the theater way, way back. It was one of the worst fights we had afterwards. <laughs> Coming out, you're like all jazzed up and you're like, everything, this has got to be this way. You know, it, like we were talking about which restaurant we're going to go to. You know what I mean? It, it didn't go well, but thundering forth the i want the truth that's the approach we need to have and as today we're looking at what it means to value true life in christ we need to want the truth and so i have a question for you get ready to answer me verbally do you want the truth yes. all right tell me in tom cruise style i want the truth now a little bigger man all right colossians 2 verses 6 through 15 turn with me there and we'll get the truth about true life in Christ. We got ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you need one, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. It's got truth in it. You want the word of God. So raise your, raise your hand if you need the Bible, all right? Value true life in Christ. Colossians 2, verse 6. How do we do this? What is this? What is the truth? What do we need to know? First point, faith. The truth is we're free to follow Christ with thanksgiving faith we're free to follow christ with thanksgiving we'll just start in verse six he says therefore as you received christ jesus the lord so walk in him 
rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Therefore, and every time we see the word therefore, we have to ask, What's the therefore, therefore, right? This is a connecting word, and it's saying, I want you to know the stuff we just went through matters. In fact, here's some things we need to do and act upon because of it. Well, what is that stuff that matters? If you look back into verses 2 through 5, there was a challenge for them to be encouraged, to be knit together in love. He praised them for being of good order and firm in their faith. There was this church that was rallying together and connecting together and caring for each other. And he was celebrating what Christ was doing in their life. And he says, therefore, because of that, then he goes a little bit further and he explains it. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. He was actually catching on to what had happened in their lives and how they had received Christ as Lord, that they had grasped him as their creator, their savior, their redeemer, their sustainer and provider, that they were leaning on Jesus Christ as their one and only. And as you've received Christ as such, and then begun to reach out to each other, encouraging and knitting together in love, because of how you came together in Christ, so also walk in him. So walk in him. Now this word walk is used a lot throughout the New Testament, all right? And Paul loves this metaphor. The word walk, it, it, well, it literally means this. Ready? It means this. There's a lot of deep study that got me this answer. Right? Walk. It's just, it means put one foot in front of the other. It means take some strides. Why did he use that metaphor? Well, because actually it was their primary means of getting around. This was how they got from one place to another. And so the truth about walk is that, well, it's intentional. Like, where are we headed? What are we trying to get to next? Where are we going? But it was more than that. It was relational. They would walk together. There was a lot of talk that went on on the walk. There was a lot of relationship that was built as they got from one place to another. So he's talking about an intentional and a relational time with Christ. The walk with him. Hey, you went after it big time because of who Christ was. Continue to go after it. Because of who he is in your life. Walk in him steadfastly, firm, in good order, with a strong faith. That's what his challenge was. And then he gives them an example of how to do it. And he's got four verbs here. And I'm going to tell you, the New American Standard Version probably captures these verbs the best from the original language. All right. So even the ESV, the way they write it here, you could misunderstand something. We want to make sure we capture this. There's some tense that's explained there's a past tense and a present tense in these verbs and it can get lost a little bit if you're not careful i love how the nasb captured it so we'll just kind of use those as the explanation he says here rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving so rooted in fact what that actually is in the original language is having been rooted past tense done and over Still true today because it happened and it's in the perfect. Like it's still true, but it's done and over. It already happened. More than that though, it's in the passive form. Like it happened to you. Having been rooted. Are you hearing it? Like Christ rooted you in the past and you're solidly there. Well, when did that happen? Trusting in him as your savior. Saying, Lord, please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. Wham! 
Like the roots are being dug deep. Life is being breathed into you. And in that moment, Jesus Christ roots you deeply into him. That's what he's talking about. Having been rooted, done over, solidly true and still true today. That's our starting point as we put our trust into him. Rooted, it's a gardening term, right? I mean, you think about these plants, plants that have deep roots. They've got a much better chance at drawing good nutrition and water. They've got a much better chance of dealing with the strong winds that may be coming. And they're, they're able to hold on to the soil deeper and stronger. That's what he's talking about. It's because of your faith and trust in Christ. And it's a one shot that starts you having been rooted. That's his point. Now he goes into the present tense. And being built up would be the best way to understand this. It's in the ING form, a participle. It's continuous, ongoing, being built up. It's like this nonstop, ongoing thing of Christ building you. He's moved to a construction term now. He's saying he's building up on you like there's health and there's life. And he's making it come up out of the soil, raising up like a skyscraper. That's him working with you. Being built up. Well, tell us about this construction work. Like, is it just kind of rickety or what? Well, that's why he gives the next verb. And being established. Again, this is in the present tense, ing, ongoing. And being established in the faith. Okay? And so it, it's not just some rickety building that's ready to topple. He, he's making you firm. That's what this word established means, is absolutely solid. Christ's work leaves you solid. I don't feel very solid, Tim. Well, maybe it's because you're trying to muscle it. And you're not letting him do the work that he needs to do. All too often we can get involved and we're like, I've got this one. Right? I know what it's supposed to look like. And so now we start acting like it. But it's not actually happening to us. In fact, it's not the fruit of the spirit that's spawning forth. It's us trying to manipulate our lips to sound like it's the fruit of the spirit. So we sound loving. We sound encouraging. But in our hearts, we're judging. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we got to be careful. The fake that we put into ourselves and let come out is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the change and transformation that comes from God Almighty's work in you. Absolutely solidifying. Absolutely establishing and building on you what will give him honor and glory. It's you becoming more like Christ. That's what's going on here. All right? So those are the ongoing ING verbs. And he says, just as you were taught, like these are the things you know, but trust me, you need to be leaning on them, abounding in thanksgiving. Here's your one action verb that he's given in this place, in these two verses. Abounding in thanksgiving. Your job, abound. Like spill over. That's what the word means. Like filled all the way to the top, spilling over and going everywhere so much there's more than almost what can, what's needed, abounding in thanksgiving. In thanksgiving, you're kidding me. Did you know that? Like he bookends your walk like this. It starts with faith and it continues with thanksgiving. God does the rest. But that's subtle. I'm telling you, it took me a while this week to go, really? Seriously. But yeah, faith and thanksgiving. 
God's doing the rest. Well, I thought I'm supposed to like practice godliness, First Timothy, right? Like, am I supposed to work on these things? And yes, absolutely putting the effort forth. But I'm telling you this, as you put the effort forth, what's going to happen is you're going to find a point where you break, okay? But, but all that's doing is showing you the spot where God needs to come and be doing some work with you. His work, not yours. All too often, we think of practicing godliness like, I'm telling you, I'm going to get some spiritual muscle going, man. Like the more I practice, the stronger I'll get. <clears throat> Wrong answer. The more you practice, the more you'll find out you fail there. Because it's actually a divine transformation that's needed first. It's, Lord, may you build me up. It's showing you where God needs to go to work. Now start thanking him for all that he is. Start releasing what you're holding on to there. And watch him build. Are you hearing it? The spiritual walk is a spiritual walk. And all too often we try to make it like my own effort kind of walk. Lord, may you transform me. I'm just going to become thankful. I'm telling you the harder it is for you when you get into a battle with someone, when you're fighting with each other, when you've misunderstood something, just start being thankful. Start saying a few things you're thankful for with them. Try it. We tried it yesterday. (laughs) At 10 p.m. I'm telling you, it works. To stop you in your tracks and have you begin to work things out. This is now between me and my wife. To work things out. And you literally start appreciating the things of each other. And it changes what you think of things. God literally starts to get a hold of you. You stop gripping onto self and you start to become that encouraging, loving thing that he wants you to be. It's an amazing moment for you to grasp the power of thanksgiving. Please do it and please do it today. Okay, that's all I can say. Uh, It's a lesson we've learned well repeatedly. We learned it again last night. It's an amazing opportunity to watch God build, not watch you build. You just keep saying thank you. Okay, that's what it looks like. You know, we uh, often try to build our own thing. I can tell you this. Have you ever played the game Jenga? You know what I'm talking about? Where you just stack the little blocks on each other and then you're supposed to like start poking them and pulling them out, right? And all of a sudden you just breathe and the thing starts going like this, okay? That's not what God's building in you, okay? He's building an absolute thing of solidity in you. That's what we need to envision. You know, we were talking about our garden and, and we have, our house was built on what used to be a cornfield. Okay, so literally all we have to do is walk by with seeds and go like this And stuff starts growing, you know, it's like this amazing growth environment So last she threw cucumbers in there last year. Oh my word. We're not doing that again Like everywhere cucumbers. We we couldn't stop them Tomatoes she puts a few tomatoes in the ground bam starts growing up, but i'll tell you this It's not that she threw the seeds in the ground and the next day we had ripe tomatoes She threw them in and then you get some vines you have some green and then we have to start putting some structure around it to hold on to them because they're getting so heavy. And, and then all of a sudden you get some flowers and some buds going on there. Then you start getting the fruit and it's green and it starts to grow. And then it starts turning to a red ripe. Allow the process of growing and being built. You might be growing some vine. You might be having the infrastructure put around you right now. God, God might be actually allowing at this point some flowering bud or even some fruit to start. The fruit might be a little green. But it's coming along. There's a point where you're going to have deep, red, rich, ripe fruit. 
let God work. Amen? The faith that we have is the starting point. And we have the privilege of walking in him with thanksgiving. And how do you keep setting stuff down? You just keep saying thank you. You just keep appreciating. You just keep saying, wow, God, I'm blown away with. Get on a knee, confess some stuff, and just start thanking him. And you'll be amazed at what it helps you let go of. All right? The first step, faith. Free to follow Christ with thanksgiving. Second, filled. Free from the bonds of human religious tradition. Free from the bonds of human religious tradition. We're going to now get into one of the heresies Paul was dealing with, which was legalism. And I mean big time. Okay? So here we go. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive. You know, like prisoner. Locked up. Can't get out. Absolutely stuck. Captive. See to it that no one takes you captive by a few things here. Philosophy. Empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of this world. Okay, see to it that no one takes you captive. Now, this word philosophy, it actually in the Greek is built out of two words. The word philo, which means love and Sophia, which means wisdom, the love of wisdom. That's what the word really means. Okay, but what he's talking about here is when man is so loving knowledge that man starts with himself, clueless, right? It's like, I'm going to start figuring out what's going on. And so you make some observations And from these observations, you make conclusions and you build a little bit out and then you build a little bit on that and then you build a little bit on that. And from man outward, you're building this understanding of the universe philosophy. That's what he's talking about. Okay, a man centered, man driven, start from the clueless and build outward solution. That's philosophies. Notice he says right after it, an empty deceit, empty, meaning nothing in it. Deceit like I'm telling you it sounds good But it's not It's it's taking you down the wrong path. There's a an element of deception in it, right? That's what the words coming from be careful. It sounds rich. It sounds insightful But it's all about self When we put man on the throne You can't get more empty and deceitful. That's all he's saying be careful with the man-centered man stuff going to take you down the wrong path so philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to elemental spirits of this world according to human tradition you know like when we're stuck on something and we want to try to understand how to do it better and we're reading it and it's a little vague and we're like let's help clear this up and so we start making a little bit of boundaries of here's some do's and some don'ts that'll make this a little bit more clear on how to do it right and so what's so harmless with that Right. And, and so I'm telling you, we've called it before. We talk, we call this a donut. Okay. And here's how it starts. It may start with the most innocent of means. Like I really want to honor God. I really do. And we put that at the center and like, okay, so here's some things I won't do to make sure I'm honoring it. Here's some things I will do and, and some more that I won't do and some more that I will do, and some more and some more. And now I've got these things and I'm going to be really faithful to doing them. And so every day in every way, I'm going to do my things because it's about honoring God. And over time you just get all about your things. And then you start going like this to the guy next to you. You doing these things? No, dude, you should do these things. I'm telling you, these things, amazing. These things are awesome. Who came up with these things? Wow. <laughs> I did. Right? And you should try these things. They're awesome. And, and it becomes more and more about, did you do the things? And all of a sudden, 
The middle comes out. Honoring God, kind of lost that. It starts to become the honor me and, and honor you if you're good enough on these. And have you done the checklist? And how are you doing with the checklist? And welcome to the donut. It's all about the things and we lost the God at the center of it. That's what we're talking about, right? Legalism at its core is nothing but a donut. God's gone. Just do the stuff and you're good enough. Ooh, makes you cringe. That's a miss. He's saying these human traditions, well, they're according to the elemental spirits or principles of the world. Honestly, this original language word is a bit hard to uh, translate. And so some have gone with principles, some have gone with spirits, some have gone with things, just kind of a vague word. But there's this concept of basic building blocks that have come together. It's starting from the small and building out. Okay, that's what he's saying. I want you to know if you start with the elemental and build outward, you got some troubles going on. I want you to know if it starts with you and your human, are you hearing the word attached to it? Human traditions. If you're starting with that, you got the donut going on. Knock it off. It's going to create some problems for you. Be careful. So what's missing? Which way should we go after this then? And well, he answers it for us right after it. He says, the problem is it's not according to Christ. Not according to Christ. And that's what's missing. Paul's kind of doing the, duh. Like, did I not just spend all of Colossians chapter 1 raving about how awesome Christ is? And did I not just make clear that he is like above all and through all and in all and, and he's created and he's sustaining and like his very presence guarantees that the molecules of my being are holding together and without him it all blows apart and because of him it's all holding together and jesus christ is everything to me he is over all and in all and through all it's all about his glory he is the creator and the sustainer and how could my explanation of anything in life not have him at the middle so that's what he's saying if it doesn't have christ and Christ explained, and Christ is the answer and the source, you're missing it. That's what he's saying, okay? He goes a little bit further with Christ. He says, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The whole fullness of deity dwells. Like fully God, fully man. We need to make sure we grasp the amazingness of the answer of Jesus Christ. He did not set down his Godhead. Well, I don't know, Tim. I read that Philippians 2 thing. I'm thinking, uh-uh. If you start reading it as he set down his Godhead, you're missing it. There's privilege. He's setting that down. But I'm telling you, he's not setting down his Godhead. Fully God, fully man. Look at what he says right here. The fullness, the whole fullness of deity dwelling in him bodily. Jesus Christ, what an amazing answer of God manifest to us. And you have been filled in him. Notice the tense of that. You have been filled. It's over with, but still true. It took place in the past, and it's still true today. Filled with him. Jesus Christ in you. The hope of glory. Does that sound familiar? Last week. Like that was the mystery, right? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Him at work in us. God moving and shaping in us. What an amazing privilege we have to know our God in this way. 
He's filled us. And we have a great privilege because of it, of avoiding, of avoiding the legalistic human traditions that can so easily entangle. Notice he says right after it, he is also the head of all rule and authority. These words again that speak to the spiritual realm, rulers in the spiritual realm, rule and authority. And he's, he's the head over all the angelic beings. I'm telling you, he's absolutely in charge, Jesus Christ. He has absolutely got the answer, Jesus Christ. He is absolutely in you, Jesus Christ. He is absolutely changing and transforming you, Jesus Christ. Your answer will have what name in it? That's what we're getting to. All right. Make sure we grasp that. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deep here for a second, so bear with me. I need everybody to look up here, okay? Go ahead. You can twist your neck back and forth if you need to. Get ready. Here we go. Ready? <clears throat> We're going to bring a word to bear, and we need to make sure we grasp a little bit of what Paul is saying in a deeper sense. So the 90-cent the word for you today is epistemology, okay? So ology means the study of, and the epistemology is like the study of knowledge. Like, how do we know things? And, and, and what should we know and what's capable of being known and that's a little bit of what paul's addressing here okay so go ahead and say the word with me epistemology some of you are like epistemology. Right? <laughs> epistemology it's not a big word go ahead epistemology. epistemology there you go all right so this is a word you can walk away and like yeah today we learned a whole about epistemology and everybody else will drop their fork and you can explain to them in deep here's what we're talking about paul's saying this you can know truth you can know truth in fact we're told to rightly handle the word of truth you can know truth but know this it doesn't start with man and begin to reach outward because of his observations those are nice little factoids that you can put together but it doesn't start inner and move outer it starts from christ and comes down are you hearing him He's like, I'm telling you this, it's not according to Jesus Christ. You know, the one who basically created it all and knows everything. You want the user's manual, it's in his hands. Let him pour forth to you the information of what he's got. Epistemology, the study and ability to know and what we can know, well, it's Christ revealing to us and making known to us what is true, okay? That's what he's saying. I'm telling you, if you don't let him reveal, you miss it. It's coming down from above. Well, how did Christ reveal and in what way did he reveal? Well, we're told real clearly. The word of God, well, is the word of God. It's God revealing to us what he wants us and needs us to know to be able to act and interact in this world, okay? This is his unbelievable word that we can go to and trust in. His revealing to us downward. It takes trump over anything we would develop self that's what he's saying make sure that it's not according to man and his self-developed traditions and principles and observations but make sure it's according to the amazing god of the universe revealed forward in fact if you go to first corinthians 2 9 you don't have to turn there but paul is talking and he's like hey how how is this salvation thing even come true i'm telling you no eye has seen no ear has heard are you hearing it like empirical observations like it doesn't come through that and it's, it's not even through the reasonings of the heart like this rational thinking so it's not empirical it's not rational it's not from within you he says the spirit of god has revealed it to you are you hearing it god down like there's a little class on epistemology in five seconds or less 
It's where does truth come from? God. Jesus Christ. So where does truth come from? Make sure you point vertically. Truth revealed by him. That's what we go to primarily. All right? That's our top place to go. Make sense? Okay. So let's make sure we answer this a little further now. We'll move through. Now he says right after that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this legalism. Verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Look, guys, you keep making a big deal about what's going on with the flesh. I'm telling you it's what goes on in the spirit that's the most amazing. Jesus Christ. It's like a circumcision of the heart. What is circumcision? It just means a special marking to say you're his. You've got that on your heart. Christ at work in you. Jesus Christ has brought to you a marking that makes you set apart. It's not about the hands. It says, by putting off the body of the flesh by by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism. Another spiritual marking from Christ. This is not talking about that physical water baptism thing that we do to celebrate outwardly what Christ has done. In fact, we know because it says right after it, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It was this moment where you trusted in Christ and said, please forgive me. Please use your shed blood. And in that moment, bam, God moved. It's like we were baptized right there. It's like we were circumcised right there. It's like we were set aside your human traditions. Christ at work in me. That's the miracle. Amen? That's what he's saying. Let's not get caught in the legalistic human traditions. Now these guys got caught up in circumcision and baptism. And and what legalistic traditions do we get caught up in? For each one of us it might be different. And... Depends what church you went to and where you grew up and what your parents may have taught you and how long that list may have been. And many of us grew up in very traditional environments, me included, where there was a pretty long list of legalistic methods of approaching him. Set him down. That's not where getting to know him is at. Look, there's nothing wrong with a a walk that's trying to be holy, okay? But please don't see it as something that's going to grow you or something that's going to now please him a little more in some way so that maybe you can earn salvation a bit or keep salvation a bit. That's not what it's about. It's not the earning and it's not the keeping. It's nothing but a thank you back to him. Oh, look, we're back to point number one. May your life just be a thank you to him. Released from any of that. Free To serve him with all you've got. A thank you celebration to him for all that he's doing for you. That's what we're talking about. What an awesome privilege to have life with him. And notice it says here, in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. A lot of you might be saying, well, that's great. That's a little bit on the esoteric side, Tim. What do I do with that? All right, let's bring it down to brass tacks. Here we go. So we get a lot of people who come in and they're like, hey, I would really like to have some counseling. I'm struggling with some problems and I'd like to go through some things. And, and so the first thing we do is we say, well, let's take a walk through. We'll hear a little bit of what's going on and tell us your story. We get that understood a bit. And then let's go to the word and see what God has to say. We go to the Bible. Why? Well, not because we're Harvest Bible Chapel and we love to shove the Bible down people's throats. Did you know that? It's not because of that. It's because we love the Lord our God so much. And if we truly believe 
epistemologically, whoa, there's a big word. If we truly believe that truth is from him, revealed through his word, that we might truly be able to honor him, man, we better go after it. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is God breathed and it's profitable. It goes on for a list there. And it also says at the end that we can be fully equipped unto every good work, God's word. Doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. That's why we're going to his word. Because God's revealing what he wants from us that he might be honored and glorified. That's what it looks like for us to go to his word. That's why when you come into a counseling session with us, we're going through biblical counseling. Because we're saying, what's God think about this? Not what did man self-develop along the way as he's watched with observations and come to some conclusions. I can't tell you how many people have come in and said these words to me. And I'm not kidding. By the droves. Man, I've been with this counselor for years. And it's so frustrating because they never tell me anything. They just keep saying this. How does that make you feel? Or, or, well, what do you think about that? And they leave it there. Do you know why? Well, it's because they're coming from a position where they believe the truth is within you. Okay? And if the truth is found within you, well, then they shouldn't be putting any pressure on you because they have their own truth and you have your own truth. Are you hearing it? It's getting very relativistic, very man, right? And if the truth is in you, and then they, well, then they shouldn't press. So now they don't tell you anything. They just ask you and hope for you to find it. And years later, you're like, I still haven't found it, right? I'm telling you, the truth is absolute, and it's released from Christ down to us through his word. That's solid. Amen? That's why we go there. It's a big deal. You're like, wow, I had no idea those classes I was taking in college really actually affected life, right? Truly, philosophy can affect And what we think biblically can affect and what we think of even psychology and counseling It's not wrong to observe and it's not wrong to come to conclusions And it's not wrong to allow those to align up with something It is absolutely wrong for your conclusion to ever put man on the throne Amen That's what we need to say No matter what I come to my sciences must always come underneath scripture Period That's what it looks like Hey man, I was an engineer for 17 years When I'm saying it, I'm saying it with all I've got Okay, the sciences must come underneath the scriptures and you will be amazed at how your life begins to line up with Christ to be able to please him. What an awesome privilege to run with our savior free from human traditions, free from human evaluations, free from the human throne that puts us sitting there going, it's all about me and it gets us nowhere. That's what we need to let go of. What an amazing privilege To be filled with him and free from human religious traditions. You know, we have a dog, Teddy. You've heard about him before. I've actually told you a little bit about his cone of shame experience, right? So he had the surgery on his paw and we had to put this cone of shame on him. And it took a couple of weeks and it was pathetic. I mean, he had no, uh, you know, like peripheral vision and he kept walking into walls and doors and tables and chairs and us and he'd try to jump on the couch and he'd get that cone of shame would hit the couch and bounce him backwards and it was pathetic watching this dog motivate himself to move at all you could see him stand up and he's like what's gonna happen now you know what i mean it's kind of in that mode and so when he finally got done with it and he was all good we took the cone of shame off and as we took it off he was like i I don't think i can move 
And he came over to the couch and you'd see him kind of start a couple of times. And then he'd look at us with these pathetic eyes like, please lift me up. I don't know if I'm going to get hit again. And he'd go out to the car and he's like, I'm not jumping in there. And he'd just stand there looking at John and she'd have to pick him up and put him in the car. This dog was trained in two weeks to wear the cone of shame for life. I'm telling you, legalism is a cone of shame. And it teaches you to think low of self and low of God and be stuck, trapped right where you are. It's time to take it off, set it down, and begin to experience the freedom of thanking him with your life, with all you've got. Don't let the rules of life hold you down. They're simply there to say, Lord, may we worship you and thank you more. I'm not earning a salvation. You've given it. I'm not looking for you to fill me. I'm filled. I'm not looking for you to be my savior. You are. I'm free to worship you. The cone of shame is off. Amen. Man, if you've come from a legalistic background, today's your day. Like I'm telling you, write it down. Say, Lord, I'm done with that. May you be honored in my life. I want to live for you with all I've got. I want to live for you with thanksgiving in my heart. Free to have a true life in Christ. So my simple question to you is this. What are the legalistic things that have you trapped? What are the human traditions that have you locked down? For each of us, they may be a little different. What do you need to let go of? May now be the time. What is it? Really come to a conclusion. I'll be quiet for a second. Let's make sure we get ready to set these down. That God might be glorified as you live a life of thanksgiving for him. Thanksgiving. For him, hear me. It's not that it's not about running around and saying, Lord, I want to live a holy life, but I'm living a holy life of thanksgiving for you. And I know that my sin is covered in you. Praise be to God. All right. So first, we have a faith that allows us to live with thanksgiving. Second, we're filled and we can release from these human religious traditions. Third, forgiven. Free from the record of debt we owe. Free from the record of debt we owe. Notice he says in verse 13 here, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You who were dead. Well, the word dead means, well, not alive. Right? The word dead, like, you don't have it in you to do anything. Dead. The word dead, like, no breath, no hope, no ability to help yourself, dead, right? It says you were dead in your trespasses, the violations of God's holiness and God's law. Sin. Like our own self was absolutely stuck in the muck and death of life wrapped up in me. In a hopeless state in and of ourselves. It says, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, not marked apart for God yet, hadn't trusted in him. God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. God made us. Whoa. Man, you better deal with those three words. 
That's some big words when you start talking about what God's doing in our lives. God made us alive. It's like, just so you know, we're laying on the ground lifeless. Christ walks up with these CPR paddles. And for the energy power of these paddles, they're like hooked back into him. Okay. And he literally is like clear. And he puts these things together and he comes down and whoop, and does it again. Whoop, and we come up to life and, and, and we sit up and we're raised up. He breathes life into us. He breathes hope into us. He brings us from death to life. Christ at work in us. And the amazing thing is as we stand up, we do this. Oh, this life is awesome. Dude, you should have seen what I did there. What you did. Oh, yeah, I laid there like perfectly laid there so that Christ could put those paddles on me. You should have seen how I was laying there so that he could do that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like how little of salvation is about us and how much of salvation is about him and his CPR paddles of life booming into us what we need to bring us to life. God made us alive in him. What an amazing statement of salvation. Wow. He for us. Notice it says, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many of our trespasses? Yeah, all. Man, don't walk past that word. Past, present, future. Like, I can't tell you how many have taught this statement. When you come to Christ, he'll forgive you for all that you've already done. But as you go forward... You're going to have to keep watch on that. Like, that's not true. There's salvation. It's now and it's for eternity. And and it's for all of trespasses, past, present, and future, covered in him. He knows what he's getting into with us. He's leaning on that with us. He's bringing life and hope with him. Our Savior providing salvation as he brings us from death to life. Wow. What an awesome privilege. How does he do it? In what way does it work? Well, this is probably one of the best verses you'll ever have on salvation for explaining. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Wow. Like, I love Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. I get it. It's clear. Like, there's there's a, a cost. The payment of sin, it's it's eternal separation. But... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and, and what an awesome verse. And it sets it up well. But this explains the detailed mechanics of how it comes down. It's nailed to the cross. It, it what? Well, look right before it. The record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. We have a problem. We stand before Christ, before him, before we've come to him, we stand as one who has sinned, one with a sin nature. And the penalty of that is a legal penalty of eternal separation, separation for all of eternity. Payment made by us, that's the only one we can make. That's the joke of legalism, by the way. Like the only thing we have to offer up is, well, just suffer for eternity apart from him. That's the most we've got. Instead, we try to teach somehow we can earn it. It can't be earned. It's his to give. And he comes in based on our faith and lavishes it on. Notice it says canceling the record of debt. Not partially absorbing, or but completely absorbing. Canceling. It's over. 
this debt we owe that stood against us with its legal demands. And now we're no longer demanded to be eternally separated from him. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross with him at Calvary. What's the value of Christ on the cross? Your debt and mine paid for all of eternity. If we trust in him as our savior. Lord, please apply it with all you've got. The beauty of it is it's celebrated in verse 15. How awesome is our God? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. God at work. He's disarming. He's putting to shame. And he's triumphing. He's providing for you and for me a hope of life and life eternal. We have a God who is making available for us salvation rich and free what does it mean to value true life in christ know this it means you can live a life of thanksgiving for him it means every moment of every day as you live your life you can literally be saying lord how can i thank you more in this moment what can that look like what do you want done It means that all the ritualistic rules and traditions that locked you down that you might need to do to earn, gone. You have Christ. And if anybody points and says, well, what about this dude? I don't see you doing this. Probably not saved now. You just lost. You point to Christ and say, bigger. Are you hearing it? Triumphed. Victory. Nailed to the cross. Don't mock my Savior. That's who he is. My God for me. Wow. What an amazing savior we have. Amen. Amen. You know, all too often we talk about life in Christ, but we don't talk about the salvation element and how to get there and then celebrate what he's done for us. The gospel, the good news, him for me, him for me, for all of eternity. That's what we're talking about. Jesus Christ for you and for me. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask for us to just bow our heads where we're at. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And we're just going to take a few minutes now to just worship him. Prayerfully. Celebrating him right where you're at personally. And then we'll close with a song. To celebrate salvation in him and life in him. Let's just take a little bit of time now. Let's bow our heads. And do a little bit of breathing. Breathing.